I've titled today's message, Love Does Not Fall Down. And this line comes to us in verse 8 of this tremendous passage. Our translation says, um, love will last forever. Other translations say, love will not fail, as our song said. The Greek literally reads, love does not fall down. What a thought. Love does not fall down. In John 13, we learned that um, love is the defining characteristic of a Jesus disciple, right? Love as I have loved you. Love is the identifying trait of a Christian. In Galatians 5, we read that the true work of God's spirit in a person's life is love, among other things. In fact, in fact, love, according to 1 John chapter 4, is the essence of God himself. Sometimes we will get phone calls here at Emmaus, and the person will call, ring, ring, good morning, Emmaus, this is April. I told you I'd quote you in this sermon. <laughs> April's our office manager. Good morning, Emmaus, this is April. Yes, yes, I'm wondering if I can find a, a statement of your doctrinal beliefs at your church. Sure, 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 here they are. Ring, ring, ring. Hello, uh, good morning, this is April. I'm sorry, I did that wrong. Good morning, this is Emmaus. I don't know what I'm saying. Okay, this is April. Yes, 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 I'm wondering what you have for children's programming at your church. Ah, oh, yes, and then you tell them, you need to know a lot of stuff, April. Hello, this is April at Emmaus. How'd I do? This is why I don't answer the phones. Yes, yes, yes. I'm wondering, when are your services? Etc. Etc. As far as I know, April, you can correct me later about this. But as far as I know, we've never received a phone call like this. Ring, ring, ring. Hello. Emmaus Church, this is April. Yes, yes, yes. I'm wondering. I'm new to town, and I'm looking for a place to call my church home. And here's what I want to know. What does your church do to demonstrate love to one another? And to demonstrate the love of Christ for your community? But isn't this the greatest way? Isn't this the greatest thing? And as far as I know, we've never received that phone call. I understand why you'd ask these other questions. And as I've thought about this this week, I, I've become convicted. I mean, I teach membership class. Right? Here's the beliefs of Emmaus. Here's the, the great doctrines uh, of our church. Here, here we go. Here's the history of our church. Here's the history. Here's, here's our church organizational structure, right? which is all important stuff. But when have I taken five minutes to say? And here's what's most important about Emmaus. Here are some of the ways the people of this church demonstrate love to one another. And here are some of the ways that we, as a church, self-sacrificially demonstrate the love of God in Jesus Christ to our community. Why am I not saying these things? And I'm not saying these other things don't matter or structures matter. And 
Are Baptist distinctives matter? I'm saying first things first. Love is not an add-on to the Jesus follower. I'm saying how do we elevate the most important thing to the place of most importance? This passage, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, maybe you know this, gets read at weddings uh, a lot. In fact, as I was thinking about it, I've done a message on this passage, good night, I don't know, 8, 10, 12 times at weddings. I've never preached it in church, as far as I can tell or remember, which is kind of ironic because the chapter itself is about a church service. It finds uh, its literary setting in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, where Paul is writing and talking about the spiritual gifts, and ultimately talks about the church service. That's where we find this passage. The New New Testament concept of love at its core is putting others first, putting other people first. And today, so much attitude towards the church is about self. And it can be really difficult. It can take quite a commitment to to flip that, to putting others first. Our culture is so, so catered to the self. And sometimes the church kind of acquiesces to this and follows suit and, and, and tries to design a church service that an individual will you know, come to see as good for them. And in some ways, I guess that's not the worst thing. But let me say this. In as much as the church or any church has traded the love for another for the convenience and preference of self, in as much as we have done this, uh, we've sold our birthright. You wake up. Do I want to go to church today? I don't know. We go home. I didn't really get much out of church today, especially that sermon. (laughs) You're not the only one. (laughs) I think I'll go into the woods and find a spectacular view of nature and be awestruck and inspired worship God and call it church. And we can do that. We can go in the woods. And we can find an awe-inspiring view. And we can be awestruck. And we can call that worship. But don't call it church. Because I can walk in the woods all by myself and have this incredible encounter with God and worship God. And there was nothing required of me for the good of another person. Which is what church is all about. According to 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. Each of you, Paul writes, has been given a gift. Why? For the good of others. He says this time and again in this passage. And to walk into church, I mean, the right way, with love, requires a change in mindset, a commitment, a way of living, to walk in, kind of crowded out. Do I want to sit here? Uh, I had to park by pastor over by someone's house. 
I'm not saying that these things can't irritate us. I'm saying it's a mindset. To walk in and say, I have a word of encouragement for someone. Lord, what, what can I do to be a blessing today? Who can I build up in love? Even at church. Why do we come here? To worship God and to build up the other. And so we can walk away and say, I didn't get anything out of church today. Comma. But I was able to build someone else up. Amen. And it is no exaggeration to say that for a Jesus follower, every inch of life, every inch of life is an opportunity to demonstrate love. It's a way of life. In a church context, this might mean that when we, oh, I don't know, uh, make changes to the sanctuary. Look at this carpet. When we make changes to the stage or to chairs or to pews, it's really not about the sanctuary. I mean, that's lip gloss. What it's really about is an opportunity to show love and patience and kindness to one another. And nothing is off limits. Nothing. Where we park, where we sit, who we talk to, what we notice, to put the other first. I mean, I think what Paul writes is incredible. And if it wasn't scripture, I might object. One person could embrace the whole range of spiritual gifts, he says, and the full measure of any one of them, he says. And at the same time, if they fail to be full of love, all those things are nothing in the eyes of God. When love becomes a way, when love becomes a lifestyle, a way of living, it's not that love competes with any other thing per se. It means that we are clothed in love in all we do. It impacts everything we do. If we teach, we teach in love. If we're part of a basketball team, we play with love. It impacts the way we make a sale or make a hire. It shapes the way we interact with our neighbors and those we don't like, even some we might even say in our hearts we hate. It is likely that this week, this week, there will, be, there will come a moment we'll be in a fight with someone or come across someone who irritates us. That never happens to you, I know. Or someone will say something hurtful to us. And in that moment, we have a decision to make. Will we act in love? In the New Testament, love is less an emotion and more an action. I say this not to disparage our emotions. Two weeks ago, I talked about the importance of our emotions. But love is a verb. It's an action, something we do. And it is the most important thing. What does it mean to grow as a Christian? What does it mean to be on the right track in discipleship? Sometimes you hear people say, 
That person is on fire for the Lord. What does it mean? We're enthusiastic about something? We, 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 we go to all the Christian stuff? No. How do we know what we are to focus on in the Christian walk? Well, put a little love in your heart and in your head and in your feet and in your hands. Let it rise up from your belly. Let it be in the words that you speak and the actions you perform that we put other people ahead of ourselves as an act of worship to God, as a way to honor the one who came and loved so fully that we finally figured out what it is. I speak of Jesus the Messiah. And the best way I know to do that, to put that love in your heart, is to chase after the one who lived the life of love. We love because he loved us first. This means chasing after Jesus, the Messiah, to learn from Jesus, to know him. To live like he did. To give Jesus access to me. To let him in. The entire chapter, this entire chapter uh, that was read, all those words about love, don't they capture so wonderfully, I think, the life lived by Jesus? The man gave away love like the sky gives away rain and sun. We've all been given an invitation to let him in, to chase after him, to learn from Christ what it means to make love the way of life. We've all been given this invitation. Writer Anne Lamott tells the story of her conversion in her book, Traveling Mercies. Maybe some of you have read that. She writes about a time in her life when this love of God met her and she took it in. Uh, things in her life had gotten very dark. She was addicted to cocaine and alcohol. She was involved in an affair that produced a child uh, whom she aborted. She watched her best friend suffer from cancer and die. During this time of her life, she also, uh, <laughs> she talks about this like it was so un unher, but she attended this little church every now and again. She'd come in late and she'd sit in the back. And she'd stay for the music, but then leave before the sermon. And who can really blame her? And during the week of her abortion, Anne spiraled down into this um, crippling loneliness. She grieved the loss of her baby. And so she tries to soften this sorrow with alcohol and drugs. And she'd been one night... Uh, bleeding for hours from the abortion and she finally fell into bed and she turned out the light and she writes after a while as I lay there in the dark I became aware of someone with me 
hunkered down in the corner. And I just assumed it was my father, whose presence I had felt over the years when I was frightened and alone. The feeling was so strong that I actually turned on the light for a moment to make sure no one was there. Of course, there wasn't. But after a while in the dark again, I knew beyond any doubt that it was Jesus. I felt him as surely as I feel my dog lying nearby as I write this. And I was appalled. I thought about what everyone would think of me if I became a Christian. It seemed an utterly impossible thing that simply could not be allowed to happen. I turned to the wall and I said out loud, I would rather die. And yet I felt him just sitting there on his haunches in the corner of my sleeping loft watching me with patience and love. And I squinched my eyes shut, but that didn't help because that's not what I was seeing him with. And finally, I fell asleep, and in the morning, he was gone. This experience spooked me badly, but I thought it was just an apparition born of fear and self-loathing and booze and a loss of blood. But then, everywhere I went, I had the feeling that a little cat was following me, wanting me to reach down and pick it up, wanting me to open the door and let it in. But I knew what would happen. You let a cat in one time, you give it a little milk, and it stays forever. And a week later, I went back to that church, and I was so hungover that I couldn't stand up for the songs, and this time I stayed for the sermon, which I thought was just so ridiculous, like someone trying to convince me of the existence of extraterrestrials. But the last song was so deep and raw and pure that I could not escape. It was as if the people were singing in between the notes, weeping and joyful at the same time. And I felt like their voices or something was rocking me in its bosom, holding me like a scared kid. And I opened up to that feeling and it washed over me. I began to cry and left before the benediction and I raced home. And I felt that little cat running along at my heels. And I walked down the dock past dozens of potted flowers under a sky as blue as one of God's own dreams. And I opened the door to my houseboat. And I stood there a minute. And then I hung my head. And I said, I quit. I took a long, deep breath and I said out loud, All right, you can come in. And that was my beautiful moment of conversion. The love of Jesus does not fall down. So let us help one another to stand as well. Let us pray.